Hi, my name is Hermine Hartman with Indigo Studio, and we want to talk about a serious topic, crime in Chicago. Without a doubt, Chicago is one of the most beautiful cities in the world, but it's also one of the most dangerous. Crime in Chicago is soaring, from carjackings to murders on the expressway, and particularly upsetting is children, children being killed on the street. There are too many random murders for no reason. Children sitting in their parents' living rooms, children walking the street after school, people sitting in their cars, people leaving parties, and it goes on and on and on. We're out of control. So what do we do about the crime? Today we want to talk to some people who are living with this on a daily basis. We don't want to talk about the problems. We want to talk about the solutions to crime in Chicago. We're talking to Representative LaShawn Ford from the 8th District about crime. We're talking to Sharon Grant, who works with juveniles. And we're talking to street pastor Donovan, who deals with crime all the time. Every day you're dealing with crime. Let me start with our legislator. Representative Ford, what can we do to stop crime? We can't keep talking about it as a problem. It's poor. Your father wasn't home. Your mother was on, was abused you and all that. We've got to end that conversation and begin another conversation that brings us to some solutions. Your thoughts, please. Hermaine, I would say you're absolutely right. We know what the problems are and we've been talking about them for a very long time, but we have not dealt with it legislatively. I mean, I think that legislators must begin to put pen to paper and legislate people out of poverty. I mean, we know what has to happen. We know that we can no longer allow people to be hungry on the streets and to have the criminal justice system drive us further into poverty. Homelessness. Yes. All of that. All of that. I mean, poverty is a problem. And, you know, I think the city of Chicago, the state of Illinois, we really have to make sure that we look at these communities where crime is high and figure out why is it that people could come into our communities to buy drugs and guns Mm -hmm. and we go out of our community to do goods and services. That's ridiculous. I mean, we're set up for failure. Paradoxical. Yeah, absolutely. Ms. Grant, you work with kids, juvenile, primarily between the ages of 15 to 18 years old. Yes. You've got not a perspective. You've got multiple perspectives throughout your careers. What's the solution? Well, I think the solution, and I would like to bring it back specifically to our community, the black community. Mm -hmm. I think that what we need to do as a community is to begin to have a closed-door conversation in our community about our children, our parenting styles, Mm -hmm. what works, what doesn't work. I know for a fact that every human being, be they black, white, or Hispanic, when they're successful only because as a kid they had an adult who was supportive. We've got to support our children and we've got to teach our young parents how to parent and what are the signs that we're not getting through to our children. I just have to say that growing up, 
the reason why I stayed on the straight and narrow was because I wanted to make my mother proud. Didn't want to disappoint my mother. So that is powerful. I think the solution, first of all, is those who are focused on solutions need to get together and realize that there are different solutions that can all fit together. Uh, and, and so it, it, it becomes a point when everybody thinks they got the mentoring people think that that's the solution. The counseling people think that that's the solution. The gun people, of course, think that that's the solution. The gang people think that that's the solution. When the fact is we need a couple of people from that, from gang, from gun, a couple of people from mentoring and a couple of people over there. We need unity. We need people to come together to solve this and agree that it's everybody's problem. That's what you're saying, Mrs. Grant, is that there's no one. All of us need to come. Who would you put at the table? Well, first of all, I would put young mothers at the Mm -hmm. table because one of the things that I think that we've lost in our community is that women don't understand that they set the tone mm. of the family. Mm-hmm. They, therefore, a family builds a community. Therefore, women set the tone for the community. Mm-hmm. When I was young, my grandmother and mother told me that no matter what a man does, you stay at a certain level. Mm-hmm. Because eventually, we will bring our young men into the fold. Mm -hmm. So I think that I would have young mothers at the table. Of course, I would have black men at the table. But then I would get some of what we've termed in our community, some of our leaders at the table. Mm -hmm. And before I brought the politicians in, I would bring in the regular people. Mm -hmm. Because one of the issues in our community, we don't hold our, our elected officials accountable. Well, Sean, what's your thoughts on that? You know, I I totally agree with Ms. Grant because, one, A. Philip Randolph went to meet with the president and the president said, I could do anything that you need me to do, but you got to make me do it. That's what Johnson told Dr. King. That's right. And I have no power. Right. And Dr. King said, let me go get you some. That's right. right. So let's get that that agenda. Mm -hmm. I, I think that it's imperative that there's an agenda to bring to the elected officials. And my um, Pope says there's no throwaways society. We have to finally one day bring the people that's been mistreated in society to the table. They, who else is better to help the conditions than people that experience the problems that that's we're right. facing? In the first place. In the first place. And on that note, because that's exactly why we're here, and that's what we want to talk about, is bringing folks to the table. We're going to take a commercial break. Please don't go away. To be positioned for the future, companies are ready to implement energy-efficient opportunities to improve workplace comfort. That's why businesses throughout Northern Illinois are partnering with the ComEd Energy Efficiency Program to find up to 35% in energy savings. Because at ComEd, we're not just powering for the now, we're powering your business for what's ahead. Here's to those who refuse to accept they're only human. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Illinois, proud server of the most advanced machine on earth. 
That's the sound of the ComEd Energy Efficiency Program, saving you up to $500 on your energy bills with rebates and discounts on energy-efficient products so you can enjoy the experience of coming back to a home full of savings. For all the journeys ahead, go with a partner who's been there from the beginning. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Illinois is committed to advancing and simplifying the healthcare experience for its members and communities well into the future. Enroll at bcbsil.com. Pastor Donovan, one of the things that Father Flager talks about as I've had some conversations with him is the grief and the trauma. And he, he talks about one child may have gotten killed, hurt, but the whole family, then the whole community is traumatized. How do you deal with that? Well, uh, there's a saying that hurt people hurt people. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. Also, the uh, effects of trauma, of grief, the speed at which they move, people don't understand a lot. Mm -hmm. I just worked with a family where uh, one of the young children shot one of the other children and killed her. And it was three weeks. It started to bother me that it had been three weeks and he hadn't started counseling yet because it moves fast it, it, and uh, it moves fast not only through the family, but it moves fast through our culture. It becomes uh, an epidemic of sorts. In our neighborhood, that's what Father Flager talks and about is that is it, it just travels and the community then becomes traumatized. Absolutely. So, Ms. Grant, what the kids that you that you deal with, the juveniles that you deal with, what kind of criminal behavior have they engaged Everything that has happened in Chicago. Murder, too? Yes, we have kids who are accused of murder. We have kids who have actually committed the murder. And you, when they're in that setting, they are so helpless. And they don't even know what remorse is, but they feel it. I've had a young girl come in who cried forever. She didn't realize that she was not going home. She thought... After the murder, was arrested, brought in. After three days of crying, why can't I go home? Oh, my God. It's not real to them. Once it sets in, as the pastor said, the family is traumatized. One of the wonderful things that happens in the detention setting is that we actually do have mental health counseling, Mm -hmm. therapy, Mm -hmm. and we do give the kids what they need there. And yes, under restorative justice, you do get a chance. You start by writing who you offended a letter. You start Mm. by trying to reach out. It is a process, but it does work. It doesn't work in all cases, but when you see the cases where it works and the miracle of it, you actually know that what we need to do as a community is to build each other up because that's what restorative justice does. It builds up the injured party, the injuring party, and people begin to talk and relate and find out that we're not as different as we think we are. Our community, the black community, really needs a sense of of restorative justice throughout our community. What we do is we bring in people who have been trained to do that. Many people in the juvenile justice space is familiar with Pastor Kelly, 
who does peace circles. Uh, one of the things that the foundation has funded for the detention center is peace circles. In the criminal justice space, you, you know, all of that goes through taxpayer dollars. Mm -hmm. That's why we set up the foundation, because there are some things that we need to build people up that we're not able to fund through county, state, local mm -hmm. funds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the Juvenile Detention Center Foundation actually raises money for programming. We have begun to do programming even with our young people on probation because these people are returned to the community and they need to be returned to the community with some hope mm -hmm. and some guidance. To be positioned for the future, companies are ready to implement energy-efficient opportunities to improve workplace comfort. That's why businesses throughout Northern Illinois are partnering with the ComEd Energy Efficiency Program to find up to 35% in energy savings. Because at ComEd, we're not just powering for the now, we're powering your business for what's ahead. Technology is meant to make our lives better, especially when it makes them easier, happier, and healthier. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Illinois is committed to advancing and simplifying the healthcare experience for its members and communities. Enroll at bcbsil.com. That's the sound of the ComEd Energy Efficiency Program, saving you up to $500 on your energy bills with rebates and discounts on energy-efficient products so you can enjoy the experience of coming back to a home full of savings. From preventive cancer screenings and diabetes care to hypertension and behavioral health management, Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Illinois is committed to advancing and simplifying the healthcare experience for its members and communities. Enroll at bcbsil.com. So what do you think of this? Mayor Lightfoot has put something forth. It's kind of controversial that says file suits, that the city would be capable of filing suits against the gang members for their crimes. Will that work? Will that not work? Good, bad. You know, we, she it's her idea. We have to see how it works, how it plays out. But I, I just think that it's one of those things that we, I don't know how you get blood from a turnip, you know. Thank you. And I don't know <laughs> how we're going to direct our energy towards something like that. But maybe she's got a plan and a strategy, and I hope that it deters crime, but I don't see how. So Chris Rock told a joke once. It wasn't such a joke. And he was like, it was in relationship to taking the guns off the street. And he was like, keep the guns off the street, but let's charge $5,000 for the bullet. Is that funny? Or is that, could that be real? Well, it can't be real because... We've been fighting guns forever. Where did the guns come from? Well, of course, we know that the guns come from outside of our community. Where? Well, Who? Well, let me tell you what I was told by kids in the detention center. Okay, that's what I want to hear. I was told, and many people in the center was told, that you know where the train comes over on exchange? In Inglewood. 
Yes. One morning, kids playing on that railroad track over there went into a boxcar and there were loads of guns. I've heard that story at least 10 times by 10 different people and that the kids just went on and took the gun. Exactly. True, not true. You believe it, you well, don't believe it. We tell the police what happened. This, I believe it. I believe it too. I believe it because the kids who were in the detention center was some of the kids who took the guns. Right. <laughs> oh, so <laughs> they're they telling you fact. They're telling me fact. Right. So I believe it. So now... Let's analyze this. How would a boxcar get in the black community full of guns? Where'd that come from? They were put there because they know that our kids, like all kids, are inquisitive. And we played on L tracks and trains. And they knew that they would be found. And they know what kids will do. The other thing I've heard from, and this is again from kids on the street, is that some people in the gas stations are selling them guns to a particular age group, nine to about 12 years old, that they go to the gas station and they get the guns. You've heard that? Well, I think statistically, and I can say with myself, it's not just statistics, but it's my Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night. On a regular basis. On a regular basis. Actually, my company is going to be taking this as data for the first time. Nobody's done this before. Not only will we have the age and, and, and how many times they got shot and, where, and the address of where it is, but I want the location. In other words, this person was shot where they shot at a gas station, where they shot at one of those little corner stores, where they shot in front of a liquor store. And then let's look at that data and see where the problem businesses are. And I believe we'll find that might I've gone, be encouraging during the course of the night. I've gone from gas station to gas station to liquor store where, where young men or uh, women have been killed or children have been killed. I've seen situations. The corner of 103rd in Michigan, there was a I think it was cut rate liquors or a liquor store there. There were 60 people out there at night on that intersection. That store got looted during the uh, riots and it closed the store down. We went by there last night after I came from a shooting at about 1130 or 12 o'clock. Ghost town. Now there's nobody there. Mm. Now there's no crime Mm -hmm. right there anymore. It's a fact. As a legislator, what can you do to stop this, to solve this? What can you do? You could give people a real shot at life. You, You know, you take away the need for criminal behavior by giving them a real shot at life. Called a job. A job. Called a, education. A education. That's what, and they, life has to have more value. They need to have someone that they could feel proud to make happy. It's all about taking best practices that mm-hmm. you see in communities that's mm-hmm. successful and putting them in communities that's got lots of violence. Why not, Grant, take the best schools and put them in the worst communities? We have the worst schools in the worst communities that make up the worst communities. You want to share it? You know, that's it. Well, there's something more simple. That's integration. Not racial. Not racial. I mean, we, everybody should have a great school. Mm -hmm. Why can't people in Austin, Inglewood have the best schools? We could predict that people that live in in, uh, Winneka, their kids are going to be successful. Mm -hmm. They have a real shot at life. Chicago 
We have to do that for our kids. And aren't we, aren't we the stats, you know this, third grade, we are looking at what the prison population yeah. will be yep. based on third, third grade, grade testing. Third and fourth grade is when kids get turned off. Mm. But more simpler than that, let me give you one example of how a community is set up by the government. And I am not a conspiracy theorist. In the CARES Act, they are addressing poverty. They are sending a mother $300 a month for every child. Mm -hmm. That mother has not been educated mm -hmm. on what to do with money. Until that mother understands that money is a resource mm -hmm. and what to do with it, she's being set up. Because she's taking, she's got five kids, she's taking that $1,500 a month. She's buying hair, nail polish, traveling. I mean, my husband retired from CTA. He is now doing two days a week just to do something at Midway. He says the people coming to Midway taking the flights to Las Vegas is unbelievable. Yeah. That is the CARES Florida. Act yeah. money. A we are constantly being set up as a community. But it's set up for failure. Set up for failure. Mm -hmm. Because in that CARES Act, if there had been some designated training mm -hmm. on financial literacy, mm -hmm. that $1,500 a month could really lift that family out of poverty. And also give them the training on child rearing, on, on child, child care, rearing, child practices. On, right, right. Those are the solutions. See, so that's, that's what we need to do. How about boot camps? Rather than putting these kids in jail, jail, Amen. what about putting them in boot camps? I think the late uh, John Stroger right. tried to do that. It's like, we're going to put you in boot camps. And that was like an army kind of uh, regiment right. mentality. But, but what happens, they go into boot camp, they come out with hope. Because at the detention center, I see kids leaving there that actually have hope. But they're returning to the same environment. Yep. No opportunity. I mean, no opportunity. We, we actually have to stop only pushing college on our kids. We have kids that's, that's in our schools that could actually do well in the trades. You say, what can government do? We need to make sure that we open up the trades back. You remember Washburn? Listen. You were CPS. So you're right. talking about plumbing, plumbing. electricians, carpentry. Yes. Yes. You're talking yes. about that. And now you mm -hmm. have uh, STEM. All of the opportunities we're shut out of in our community, and if we really want to give people a chance, we will give them the hope of. So, isn't that because of the unions? I mean, we, well, you know, wait, we've been. Wait, this wait, is wait. a circle. This there, is a vicious circle. Now, there is no, before I can be a carpenter, I gotta have an uncle is, to sponsor. No, there, there is an issue with the unions, but let me tell you what we've done in the detention center: the painters' union and the electrical union has come over and begin to train kids. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. 
Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. So during the break, we talked about redeployment. What does it mean? Redeploy. Redeploy. What is is, is, is dollars that the state have that they put into juvenile justice and you're supposed to redeploy the children, build them up and things of that nature. Okay, so it's a reorientation. But the key to it is in certain counties, certain kids, they don't go into the criminal justice. Exactly. They keep them out. Right. Now they're not felons. They keep them out. They give them the help that they need so that they're on the right path. But in Cook County, our kids are automatically sent into the criminal justice. So by law, can you change that? Yeah. We can. We, we tried, but it's up to the courts. It's up we, to the we, courts. We passed, oh. I passed bill and resolutions oh. urging the county to implement redeploy for juveniles in, in Cook County, but they won't do it. So we're at the end of the program. Give me a solution. A solution is a trade school in Chicago. Ah, Sharon? A conversation with our parents. Pastor? Love. What's love got to do with it? <laughs> Everything, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And then forgiveness. That's right. Okay, now you all got to help me with that because I'm, I'm not 100% on that. I don't think I could do it. I don't know how you... I, would, I don't think I would retaliate, but... I don't know how you can be a God-loving woman and not be able to come to it. Really? Yeah. Uh-oh, she just helped you. Leaning on God. Did she? she just I don't know if she helped. I don't know if she convinced me, though. But <laughs> I'm here to help. You can't. You need to be in a program. Right. You need help. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you all for being with us today. And I'm going to try to get some help. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Thank you.